Heavenly Father, we do pray for your strength this morning. We pray that you may particularly give me strength, strength of voice, so that I am clear in what you would have me proclaim here this morning. And we pray that you may give your strength to the people here who are gathered in your name. We pray that the Christians may be strong in affirming what is said from your word and putting it into practice. And we pray that you may strengthen any non-Christians who may be here this morning to understand what you have said in your word about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And we pray that they may be strengthened to the extent that they become Christians this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think we recognise that some messages are more important than others. Jill, from time to time, writes me little messages and uh, gives me notes about what I need to do. At home, there's a particular place where she can leave me messages, and of course, she sends me emails. This week, she gave me a little note that I needed to recharge some batteries. The note was taped to the top of a, a container full of batteries for Joshua's toys. Uh, He has a number of toys that require batteries, and of course they tend to be the toys that are most annoying, so um, there's not much impetus there for me to recharge those batteries. But uh, there was a little note from Jill, please recharge these for Joshua. But Jill also leaves me other notes, and sometimes there are notes about what I need to do with Joshua. If she's going out, she leaves me a note about how much to feed him, when to feed him, how to prepare the food, and what time he needs to go to bed. And of course, we'd recognise that those messages are more important than the messages about the batteries. The batteries, yeah, if if that message doesn't really get through, doesn't get followed, well... There's no big deal, particularly for me. might be a bit of a deal for Joshua. He doesn't get the electronics working on his toys. But if the message about him being fed doesn't get through, and I don't do it, particularly if it's for a long period of time that I'm meant to be feeding him, well, the worst thing that could happen is that Joshua could die, die of starvation, if I don't follow through on the message that Jill gives me. And in the Bible, we have lots of messages from God And there's a particular time where there's one particular message that is given to God's people Israel, and that's at Sinai, where God tells Moses what he would have his people do. But then there's another time where God gives a message as well, and that is through Jesus Christ. And this morning I want to look at those two messages as the writer of Hebrews looks at them this morning and compares them and contrasts them and says basically that the message of Moses is more important, is a better message than the message of G- of Moses. Did I say that right? Jesus is more important. Moses is not as important. There we go. At least I tweaked. Message of Jesus is more important, a better message than the message of Moses. And that's my first main point this morning. The message of Jesus is greater than the message of Moses. Why is that the case? Why does the author of Hebrews say that? How does he say that? Well, the first way that we see it's more important is because of the way the message was delivered. The way the message was delivered shows that the message of Jesus is more important. And we see this in verse 2. How was the message to Moses delivered? Verse 2, for if the message spoken by angels was binding. It was spoken by angels. The message that came to Moses at Sinai was spoken by angels. Angels are pretty important beings. 
If you get a message from an angel, I would pay attention. But the message from Jesus is at a whole other level. Angels are important, but the message of Jesus comes at a different level. How did the message of Jesus come? Well, it came through Jesus. Verse 3, halfway through. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. The message came through Jesus himself. And it's interesting the way that the author of Hebrews describes Jesus there. What does he say? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord. The Lord. Who is the Lord? Well, of course, in the Old Testament, when you see Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, is a translation of the word which we sometimes pronounce Yahweh, a Hebrew word for the name of God, God's name. But we don't really know how to pronounce it, and the Jews came up with a way of trying to protect the name from being spoken in vain by just translating it Lord. So in their Greek translation of the Hebrew, they use the word Lord. And so that's what the English translations have decided to do as well. They put the word Lord there. So in the Old Testament, it's very clear, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, is the Lord, as in Yahweh, the Hebrew name for God. But in the New Testament, of course, the New Testament isn't written in Hebrew, it's written in Greek. And so they don't have the Hebrew word for God's name in Greek, and so they just put the word Lord there. And so, but sometimes the word Lord can mean just master, um, and so, but sometimes it can mean God himself, and sometimes it can be a reference to Jesus. And here I think it's a reference to Jesus, and it's interesting that they call him Lord, because that is basically saying that Jesus is God himself. Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. He is Lord. And so the message doesn't come through angels, the message of Jesus. It comes through the Lord, through Jesus himself. How else did it come? Well, after it was first announced by the Lord, what does the next part of the verse say, verse 3? It was confirmed to us by those who heard him. It was confirmed by the apostles. So there's two groups of people in that sentence there, that last part of the sentence, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Who's the us? Well, it's the people who heard the apostles speak. So you've got the apostles confirming it, and then you've got this second generation of Christians hearing from the apostles. These are people who haven't heard Jesus speak himself, but they've heard it confirmed, this message confirmed, by the apostles, the people who heard Jesus himself, and they've confirmed it to this second generation Christians. This is actually a very important verse when it comes to the authorship of Hebrews. A lot of people think that Hebrews was written by the apostle Paul. This verse actually, incidentally, just tells us that it's not because it says, was confirmed to us, that's including the author, by those who heard him. Paul heard Jesus. Paul did not get the gospel from the apostles. Paul got the gospel from Jesus Christ himself. He tells us that in Galatians chapter 1. He didn't hear it from the apostles. Jesus appeared to him on the Damascus road and told him the gospel. And so Paul could not be the author of Hebrews. 
very important point there, incidental to my sermon today. But yes, do not go around calling Hebrews written by Paul uh, because of that verse is one of the primary reasons. But yes, we see the message is more important because it's spoken by Jesus. It's also spoken by the apostles and confirmed. So the message has been confirmed by the apostles. And then the third way that we see it's a more important message by the way it came is that God also testified to it. God the Father, verse 4. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. We see God the Father there testifying to it by the miracles, the miracles that Jesus performed, the miracles that the apostles performed. God is saying this message is important. This message is a very important message, and so I am authenticating it by performing miracles. And then the Holy Spirit's involved there as well. The Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. We see all three members of the Trinity, the Lord announcing it, Jesus Christ. We see God the Father testifying to it by miracles. And we see the Holy Spirit testifying to it by the distribution of gifts. This message of Jesus is very important. It is more important than the message of Moses. That's the first reason why we think the message of Jesus is greater. Second way is the way what the message brings, the news that the message brings. The message of Jesus is greater because of the news it brings. The message of Moses, what did that bring? What sort of news did that bring? Well, it brought the law brought the Ten Commandments, brought all the instructions as to what the people of God were supposed to do. Did that save anyone, that message? No. Paul says the law brought wrath. As you hear the law, according to Moses, all it does is expose the sin in your life and say that you deserve to be punished. The law brought wrath. Whereas the message of Jesus Christ, what does that bring? It brings salvation. The message of Jesus Christ is, yes, you are a sinner, but if you believe in me and my death for you as a substitute for the punishment that you should receive, you will be saved. The message that Jesus brings is a message of grace. It is a greater message because of the content of that message. It is good news, very good news, because it doesn't just show you that you're a sinner, it shows you the way to escape the punishment for being a sinner. The message of Moses brought wrath as your sin was exposed, whereas the message of Jesus brings grace as you see the way of salvation. And so that's what we see. The word salvation refers to Jesus' message a couple of times in this text alone. Verse 3, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? There it is, the word salvation. And then he continues in verse 3. This salvation, it is a message of salvation. It is a message of being saved. That is not to say that the message of Moses is a bad message. The message of Moses was a good message. The trouble is, we are bad people. And when we hear the law presented by Moses, instead of conforming to it, all we want to do is violate it. We don't uphold the law. It's kind of like when you hear a message, you see that message, uh, you go to visit some gardens and it says, keep off the grass. What do you want to do? 
You want to walk on the grass because you're not supposed to. The law is there. It's a good law. It's protecting the grass. But what do you want to do? Your sinful heart wants to walk on the grass because the law says don't do it. And that's what happens with the law of Moses. The law of Moses comes. It says do not covet. What do you want to do? You want to covet. That's what Paul says happens in Romans 7. He says, I did not know what coveting was until the law said do not covet. And then sin sprang to life and I wanted to covet. The law of Moses was a good law. It was a just law, and we see that said for us in verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 2. For if the message was spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, it was not like God was being unjust with his law. No, the problem is our sinful hearts. And so it is bad news, the law of Moses, because of who we are. But the message of Jesus is salvation. It is good news. Because we are sinners, we can then trust in Jesus and have eternal life. Third reason why the message of Jesus is greater than the message of Moses is because there is greater punishment if it is ignored. The message of Moses came with punishment. Message of the law came with punishment. And we see that there in verse 2. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? The message of Moses came with punishment. But there's even more punishment if if you miss and ignore the message of Jesus Christ. If you do not conform to God's law, there is eternal punishment in hell. But in hell, there are varying degrees of punishment depending on how you lived your life. And one of the big ways to get more severe punishment in hell is to ignore the message of Moses and the message of Jesus Christ. To ignore this message of a great salvation that he is offering to you. And Jesus says this. When he's there preaching, he says to people, Woe to you. It will be worse for you on judgment day because you have ignored me, Jesus Christ himself. He is speaking a message of great salvation. It will be worse for you than for people in Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old Testament who didn't hear me speak but committed great acts of atrocity. He says it is worse for you if you ignore the message of Jesus Christ. And so we've got to remember that with this good news comes great responsibility if we choose to ignore it. It's kind of like if you are told that your new job pays $350,000 a year. You think, oh, that's pretty good, $350,000 a year, I could use that. But then you're told that this job is as Prime Minister of Australia. Now, do you still want that job of $350,000 a year? It's a job with great responsibility. It's a job with great media attention, which is why I think a lot of people shy away from such, uh, from such a job, that your family will be exposed. There is great responsibility that comes with that great reward of $350,000 a year, and then the superannuation package is also very attractive for the rest of your life. Um, the air flights that they give you, um, that you can go on for the rest of your life as well, all very attractive, great reward. 
but great responsibility. With this message of salvation comes great responsibility. There is great reward there. But if you choose to ignore it, you will be punished very severely, is what happens. Verse 3, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? There is no other way of escape if you ignore this message of salvation from Jesus Christ. So, the message of Jesus is greater than the message of Moses. What does that mean then for you? What does that mean? Well, my second main point this morning is that means then the message of Jesus demands your careful attention. The message of Jesus demands your careful attention. And that's what the author of Hebrews says in verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. This message demands your careful attention. It's like when you're given a message about how you can save lives. You should pay very careful attention to that message. I used to work as a podiatrist, and there's not many ways that I could kill a patient. There are some ways, but it would be a slow, agonising death if I lopped off a toe or something when gangrenous um, septicemia set in, and yes, of course, they would die. But there's a lot of steps in that pathway that would slow down the death or could reverse the effects that I've um, caused. But there was one way that you could kill someone very quickly as a podiatrist, and that um, was concerning local anaesthetic. We do minor surgery. It's not even really surgery, I don't think people... We call it surgery, the podiatrists do. Nail surgery. Uh, For ingrown toenails and things like that, you put in some local anaesthetic and you can uh, cut the offending piece of nail out. But with local anaesthetic, of course, you're injecting something into the person. And if you inject like an air bubble in, you can kill a person. If you inject in too much lignocaine or whatever local anaesthetic you're using and you go above the maximum safe dose, well... Um, it's not safe. And so in those classes, I paid a lot more attention than other classes as a podiatrist at uni because I could potentially kill someone. I had to pay more careful attention because of the content of that message. That message was very important that I was receiving there. And it's the same with us. We must pay careful attention to the message of Jesus because if we ignore it, we can cause severe eternal punishment. So how do you pay close attention to this message? Why We've seen why we should pay attention. How should we do that? Well, what does he say? We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. What we have heard, the message of Jesus. Where do you find the message of Jesus? You find it in the Scriptures. That is where you hear the message of Jesus. You are not like the people that the letter of Hebrews was written to, that you have the apostles talking to you who heard Jesus themselves. No. The only way you can hear Jesus speak his message is through the scriptures, through the Bible. And so you must pay close attention to the Bible. That means you're meant to study it. You're meant to anchor onto it. That's what this idea of paying careful attention The Greek word there could be used as a boat anchoring to something. And that's what you're supposed to do. You're meant to anchor your life 
to the scriptures, to this message you have heard. And that means hard study. That means you've got to read the Bible. It means you've got to study the Bible. That each day you should be setting aside a time to anchor yourself to the message. Pay close attention to it. Each week you should be coming to church and hearing from the word. Hearing what other people say about the word so that you can understand it better. You can even meet up with other people through the week and study God's word. You can read books that encourage you to understand the word of God more clearly. You've got to study the word. That's what paying more careful attention is. You say, oh, that's such hard work, though. Yes, it is hard work. It's hard work for everyone. But you've got to do it. That's why he tells you to do it. He doesn't say it's going to be easy. He says pay more careful attention because the easy way is to not pay careful attention. The easy way is to do what he says there will happen if you don't. And what is that? First, verse 1 of chapter 2, We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. You do not drift What does it mean to drift? It means you don't do anything. What do we think when we think of driftwood? We think of wood that lies in the water and just lets the currents dictate where it goes. And that's what we can be. As Christians, we can just not do anything, not pay careful attention to God's word. And what will happen? We will drift. There are sinful currents around you all the time trying to move you away from God's word. The sinful current of secular society always telling you that there are more important things for you to do with your time than to read God's word. They'll belittle God's word, say it's just an old book made up by men, not God's word at all. They'll tell you it's a waste of time to spend your time reading it. They will work against you. They will deny different doctrines that are taught in it and say that they are wrong, that there is more pleasure to be found in sin than keeping God's word. Those sinful currents are there and they're pushing against you every day. As soon as you hear the wireless come on in the morning, if that's how you wake up to an alarm, there is a sinful current entering into your ears straight away. If you turn the television set on while you're having breakfast, a sinful current is already starting to move against you and you will drift if you are not paying close attention to God's word. And you will drift even if you move away from all of society because you do not take out your sinful self. Your sinful self is still with you wherever you go and it is a current working against you as well, pushing you away from God's word. Your sinful self will always find a reason not to study God's word. It will find something to be busy with Maybe something very good, like working, earning money, so that you can support yourself, support others. Entertainment, it's a good thing. Your sinful self, though, will find those good things and use those so that you do not pay careful attention to what God has written. Your sinful self is always working there. And even your sinful brain, the effects of sin, have taken over your body. We were meant to live forever, but instead we don't. And our bodies deteriorate, and including your brain. 
As we get older, it just degenerates and you don't remember the things that you used to remember. And that works against you. You will drift if you do not pay close attention. Even I'm fairly young, I guess, these days. Not as young as my son, of course. I look at him and he's got his whole life ahead of him. But I still, you know, we forget things. I went to school with some people for 12 years of my life, all through primary school, all through high school. They were in my classes, in and out, saw them in the playground. I don't remember their names. They invite me on Facebook to be their friends, and I've got no idea who they are. I look at their photo and go, who is that? And yet they claim to know me through Picton High School, and I've got no idea. My brain has lost the memory of them. And just as you lose the memory of people that you once knew, you will lose the memory of Jesus Christ if you do not pay careful attention to him. You can think about him today, but that does not mean you'll be thinking about him tomorrow unless you anchor yourself to the message that he taught and anchor yourself to him every day. And as you get older and your brain is less and less able to remember things, Jesus Christ will still be there. Because you've been anchoring yourself day after day after day for years to him. He is the strong memory that is still there in your life. So if you don't study the gospel, if you don't study the message of Jesus, realise that you will drift. Just what he says here. So that we do not drift away. All you have to do to forget Jesus is do nothing. You don't have to work against him and try and forget him. He'll just slip out of your brain and you won't remember him any longer. So are you guilty of not paying close attention to the message of salvation? Are you guilty of drifting? Are you guilty of ignoring the message of salvation of Jesus Christ? Maybe you've always ignored the message. You're not actually a Christian. You've heard the message here again and again, maybe through your life, or maybe this is the first time that you're truly understanding what the message of salvation is. Then I beg of you, do not ignore it. It is such a great salvation, and there is no other way of escape from eternal punishment for what you've done. That's what he says there in verse 3. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? There is no other way. Do not ignore the message of Jesus Christ today. Instead, embrace it. Believe it. Believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Repent of your sins so that you will not be eternally punished and you will not be punished even more severely than those people who have never heard the gospel. Those people who have never heard the gospel will not be punished in the same way that you who have now heard the message of salvation declared will be punished if you choose to ignore it. God has given you such a great offer of payment of sin through Jesus Christ. Don't ignore it. Don't refuse it. Accept it. Believe that Jesus Christ died for you. Or maybe you are a Christian, but you realise that you do not pay as close attention as you should. You do not read your Bible as much as you should. You do not anchor yourself to it. Well, I encourage you, take yourself in hand today. 
make a commitment to pay close attention in the future, to read God's word regularly, to meet regularly with God's people, to study God's word, so that you do not drift. Do not do nothing. Instead, work hard. It is hard. may look easy for some others. may look easy for the pastor to study God's word, but it is hard work. I have to work at it as well. Some days I don't feel like studying God's word like I did the previous day. But I work at it. I know this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I need to do if I do not want to drift away. Don't make a shipwreck of your life, of your faith, by doing nothing and drifting onto the rocks that will mean eternal punishment forever. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message of Jesus Christ and that it is a message of good news, not bad news, that it shows us our sin but offers us a way of escape, a way to escape punishment of sin for eternity. Lord, we pray that we may pay more close attention to it, pay careful attention to it, anchor our lives to it by studying your word regularly, by being in relationship with Jesus Christ day after day. And Lord, we do pray for anyone here this morning who has heard your message of great salvation but has ignored it. Lord, we pray that they may not do so that they may instead accept your message of great salvation and believe in Jesus Christ and have eternal life. And we pray this in his name. Amen.